0: Always subject to change, but I will probably be in this subject for some time. So, I uh, just the dealing of the Lord in my heart. I I sense it's uh, uh, going to be a topic of consideration for some time, and I believe it's going to be powerful for us as a body if, I'll put an if on it, if we take time, review it, study it, search it. you, You know, what you get out of God, God's available to you all the time. You have access. The Scripture says you have access. What limits us with the access is us. You know, it really is. It's us, because God has given us access through the cross, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have access to the holy, holiest of all, according to the writer in Hebrews. So what limits us is us. And we're and we're going to talk about some of that this morning, but we've been in Revelation chapter one for since uh, I think September of last year, we've strayed off a couple times here and there, but been pretty much in chapter 1, actually since June of last year, and in September started to, to focus on the Son of Man in His glory. And I said last week, you could spend probably the rest of your days in the earth gathering up the Scripture in regard to the Son of Man in His glory. And just do, and that's where the Lord has has me, and um, and He just it was so beautiful as He began to deal with me in the two-edged sword in in my time with the Lord. It was just beautiful, but in verse sixteen of Revelation one, and He had in His right hand seven stars, and out of His mouth proceeded a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And if you read this whole whole exchange here, from about ten verse ten down to about the end of the chapter, John is turned to see the voice that spoke to him. And when he turned, he sees a specific description of the Son of Man. And and we have for the last several months broken down these characteristics of Christ because the son of man that he sees in the seven candlesticks is the Lord Jesus Christ and we've been breaking down his characteristics as John saw him and we the last uh, couple sessions have been his hair white as wool And now we're dealing with the two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. Now, this does not mean that he was a sword swallower. All right? That's not what it means. There's my shot at humor. I'm getting better. Used to be Anita would not want me to try any humor at all. Because the only one that would usually think it's funny was me. And I'd think it was really funny, but everybody else for some reason would just sit there and stare. And sometimes not even know that I'm trying to kid. So I I had difficulties there, but enough said about that. Out of his mouth proceeds a sharp two-edged sword. and, And every Christian knows this is speaking of the Word of God. Every Christian knows... What came out of the mouth of Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And as we begin to look at this, there's a lot, folks, to cover. So we're just going to have to take our time and dig in and cover it. In in Matthew 4, let's go there, Matthew 4, and start at verse 1. It said, says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Matthew 4, verse 1. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he afterward hungered. And the tempter came and said unto him, If Thou art the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. right. In your Bible, in the New Testament of your Bible in particular, there are probably more than two. I haven't searched to see how many words are used for word. But there are two Primary ones are two, and it may only be two, but there are two primary ones that many people are familiar with. One of the words, if you look up Greek definitions, is the word logos. The other one is rhema. And over the next period of time, I pray that the Lord defines these words to us, what they mean. This here, when Jesus said, the the man shall, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, I believe is dealing with the rhema. And if you you come to the rhema, you, you say, well, what does that mean? Literally, in utterance, something said. But it's not just... The rhema of God is not just something said. It's something particularly said, I believe, of Christ. And when you get into the Logos, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. That Word is Logos. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that, that again in its definition has something said. But in that something said is the entire substance. The substance of what was said. Now, the Lord may give me a greater understanding. He may change my understanding. But what I believe I'm seeing in these two words is the Logos is the mind, the thought, the purpose of God from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the mind, the thought, the purpose of God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when was it said? I believe when it was said was, let there be light. That the mind, the will, the purpose of God began to move when God said, let there be light. Because we find light to be Christ. We find light to be more than sunlight. You know, God created in in that chapter of creation in Genesis 1. God creates, right? God creates the heaven and the earth. He creates everything. Nothing is made that is not made by Him. All things were made by Him and for Him. But if you look closely at Genesis 1, and I... I, I wasn't in there, this. I don't think at all, this week, but it's just come to my mind, if, I believe if you look closely, and you can search it and see, he says, let there be light, and there was light before he made the sun, moon, and stars. So light comes out of God at the utterance of his voice. And from the beginning, the idea of light was to fill up creation. And light comes to the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus says, I am what? The light light of the world. So unless I walk in the light of Him, I'm walking in darkness. I may have natural light, but I'm not walking in the light. So what come out of God from the beginning was light. And His whole mind was light to fill creation. And how it was going to fill creation was in the person of Jesus Christ. He chose us, Paul said, in Him, when? Before the foundation of the world. So God's choosing was in Christ before He founded the world. Now just that statement alone is a statement you could search out for weeks, maybe months, and look at. Because we get lost, in at, at, at times Christians get lost in the In in what David says in Hebrews, I believe it was David, or not Hebrews, but it's written in Hebrews, but it comes from Psalms, what is man in God's mind toward man? And a lot of times we try to go back to Adam and find God's mind toward man. Don't we? We go look at Adam in the garden. And we still can't get satisfied as much as we search Adam in the garden it doesn't satisfy our heart. Have you? Maybe it does you. I don't think so. I don't think you can find the satisfaction in your heart by studying out all that Adam was. I think you'll come short. Even when you go back before he committed sin, and say, "Well, if it, you know he hadn't a sin, he wouldn't have died." Okay, we can run with that thought. But even there, what was his purpose? We could say the fellowship of God, and that would be partially so. Maybe Maybe completely so if we wrap it up how to fellowship with God. It was a divine way and purpose that God was after and He chose in Christ before the foundation of the world. So He he and His infinite wisdom in His Word, in the Word that was with Him, the Word was Him, He chose in Christ. So God's choosing for purpose was always in Christ. Before he created. So when He created, He was creating in view of Christ. So the creation was speaking of Him. And, and, that's, and that's a lot of what we're going to look at in the Word of God. The Word of God is declaring Jesus Christ. Till we see that the Word of God is declaring Jesus Christ, we, we miss many times what the Word is actually saying. We can read the words on the page but not understand their intent. And a lot, of, a lot of dear believers, good Christian people, may be caught there where they read the Word on the page but do not understand the intent of the Word. God wants you to understand. He's given you His Spirit that you might freely Understand all things. That's what He said. So why don't we? Hopefully today we'll answer some of that. Write that question down. Why don't we? So hopefully, and if I don't get into it before I'm done, ask me. Because I want us to... Really, look at that. So so Jesus makes the statement, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, if you've fasted 40 days, if I had fasted for three days, and there was a loaf of bread set in front of me, that loaf of bread's probably in a lot of trouble. Jesus fasted 40 days. Just, you know, in... Pipe and shadow back there with Moses going 40 days into the mount. And children of Israel wandering 40 years into the wilderness. Here's Jesus fasting for 40 days. Right? And immediately, you know, it says the devil come to him. And what did he say? He says, command that these stones be made bread. Now, these were literal stones but just a thought, the stone of the law. Command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus' response to him was, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Flip over to John 5, and I'll have to take my slow down because I want to run and preach. And um, John chapter 5, and start at, let's see where I said to start at, 37. 37. John 5, 37. Jesus says, And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness in me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you for whom he hath sent, Him ye believe not. Here's how they didn't have His Word because they didn't believe in Him that God had sent. And He says, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. And you will not come to Me that you might have life. Search the Scriptures. Now, who... Who is Jesus even talking to? He's speaking to the Jews. And and uh, I believe He may be, you can study this out, in one of the places, maybe not here, but maybe He is. May, he was around the temple, maybe in chapter 8, where He was on the temple ground when He was speaking, and here He may be again. But you have to go back and search out where He was even at, because... You know, when you read the whole chapter, it puts it in context. Sometimes it will force you back to the chapter before. So he's speaking to the Jews and he tells them, you know, the Jews who are God's chosen people, get a hold of this. He says to them, you don't have God's Word abiding in you if you don't believe in me. And he comes on down in here and he tells them, if you had heard Moses, you would have believed me. And he tells them when, when, they, when they get disgruntled with him, that's I'm, I'm combining chapter 5 and 8 together, and we'll get into chapter 8 in a moment, but he tells them that in chapter 8, you're of your father the devil. He's speaking to the Jews. So so the Word testifies of Him. Now when Jesus made this statement, Matthew through revelation hadn't been written. So He's saying that Genesis to Malachi is speaking of Him. And, And let me draw your mind to verse 45 and 46 here. He says, do not think I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you to the Father, even Moses in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed Me, for He wrote of Me. So if you believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote of me now specifically I believe everything Moses wrote somehow some way is declaring Christ and Moses wrote Genesis through what? Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, all those books are written by Moses. But specifically, if you go to Deuteronomy, chapter, if you flip back to Deuteronomy, chapter 18, and it's right here on your notes, I'm going to read it right off your notes if you want to pick it up. This is American Standard, you can go back if you're more comfortable with another translation, however you want to do it. He says, Deuteronomy 18, 15, Jehovah thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him will ye hearken, or ye shall hearken, according to all that thou desirest of Jehovah thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Jehovah my God, neither let me see the great fire anymore, that I die not. And Jehovah said unto me, They have well said that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. Now he's speaking to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 18. The nation of Israel. And if you read the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a book of blessing and cursing. And where God tells them that if you do such and such, I'm going to bless you. And if you don't do such and such, I'm going to curse you. That's what he says. And he says, I'm going to send a prophet like unto you, Moses. And I'm going to require this nation. And he's not just while he's speaking to this nation. He's requiring the whole world to hear this word. But He's speaking here specifically to the Jewish people, and He says to them, you must hear Him. Now when you put this in context with Jesus in John 5, this is what He's referring to. Had you believed Moses, you would have believed Me. And in fact, in John 5, He says, I have come in My Father's name. What what did He say here? He he says, the words that He shall speak, He shall speak in My name. Jesus says to him in John 5, I've come in the Father's name, and you receive Me not. He's relating himself right back to this Scripture, saying, hey, I'm it. I'm who the prophets were saying you better listen to. You better hear and receive My Word. Because it's going to be required of this nation. Now flip over to isaiah nine start at verse two isaiah nine verse two it says The people, that set, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy, the joy before thee according to the joy of harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor as in the day of Midian. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord sent a word. Hear this. The Lord sent a word into Jacob, and it hath lighted up on Israel. And all the people shall know, even Ephraim and the inhabitant of Samaria, that say in the pride and the stoutness of their hearts, the bricks are fallen down, but we will build with hewn stones. The sycamores are cut down, but we will change them into cedars. So God sent a word. And He said this word was a burning fire. And Jesus, did Jesus not even say in one place, again, speaking, this is speaking of Christ Himself, Jesus said, said something to the effect that the fire is already burning? And what if He kindled it? So this word that was coming into Jacob was to light up Israel, to give light to them. The word he was speaking was the light of God in the earth. The word he said was the rhema of God. It was God spoken. And it was light to Israel. What we we miss sometimes in the Gospels, I mean the Gospels, don't get me wrong, they're for every man. To understand every man. But specifically when Jesus, the the record in the Gospels, who was Jesus dealing with in the Gospels? Now it goes out to every man. But He was dealing in that time specifically to the Jewish nation. Because salvation at that time had not come to the whole world. Now He was salvation to the whole world. But we read the Gospels like, like, it's, like it's an application in, in, in one sense it is to the whole world. But He's specifically dealing with the Jews. He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, gave He the power to become the sons of God. So, so there in the Gospels, He's over and over dealing with a people that want to be holy and righteous by the law. And they're not even keeping the law. In fact, when you start reading closely, they have changed days and times and seasons, and Jesus upbraids them for doing it. One of the best examples of that is is you go into the temple, and, and if you go back and read the law, where they're supposed to be buying and selling their offerings in the temple. They were to bring the best of their flocks. But here they're coming to the temple, and and here's the the money changers, and, and, and here they are needing their sacrifice. So, Brother Calvin's got a few lambs back there. How much do you want for it, Calvin? So they weren't just following the Word of God, the Word of Moses. There's an idea that the Jews were just keeping the Word. If they were keeping the Word, honey, they wouldn't have been in captivity of the Romans. They were in captivity of the Romans because they were not keeping God's Word. That's why you go into the history and you have to read your Bible to understand the history. If you don't read your Bible, you won't understand it. If you read your Bible, Israel as a nation were split in two after Solomon, and there was the kingdom of Israel, and there was the kingdom of Judah. And, it, and it's chronicled out. It's, it's throughout the book of Chronicles and throughout the book of the Kings. And, when, and, it, it, and it hit me maybe two years ago. I'm, I'm dealing with Samaria, and lo and behold, Samaria at some point became the capital of Israel, of the northern nation. So the Samaritan woman wasn't an accident. When Jesus said, I've got to go through Samaria, He was dealing in that old nation of Israel. And what... Jumped out at me even more. He's in the book of, the, I believe it's Ezekiel or Isaiah, maybe in both of them. Maybe I, I get cross books sometimes, but in one of the books, God calls Samaria and Judah harlots, and lo and behold, Jesus goes to the woman of Samaria, and she's what a harlot, and you go, is this coincidental? No, because she's representing the people that were a harlot unto God. That's what she was representing. And how were they a harlot unto God? If you go back and read your history, Israel set up false idols. They made false gods. They did not worship Jehovah in Jerusalem. In fact, one of the kings said, let us build up these false idols so they don't go back and join themselves back to Judah. So He made them, I believe, two golden calves to worship idols. And in both nations, Judah and Jerusalem, if you go in your Bible, they're continually running up to high places, up to mountains and making gods, making mullet and bell. Over and over in your Bible, they are filled with idolatry and harlotry. Because God had said, espouse to yourself none other God but Me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside Me there is none other. So He had espoused Israel to Him as His bride. That's what He called them. His his very bride. His very, very sons and daughters. His very union. And they continuously went after strange flesh, went after false scots. So Jesus was the final word of judgment to the nation of Israel. And that's what a lot of Christians don't understand when he said, when when Moses declared to him, God's going to raise up this prophet. And you better hear this prophet. Because if you don't hear this prophet, it's going to be required on you. And it began to rain fire and brimstone in Jerusalem about 30-40 years after Jesus had died, been buried, and rose from the dead. And just like He told them, this generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled. They were fulfilled... And God's judgment was unleashed upon that nation. According to the Word of God. You can actually back this up with Scripture. If you get the Scripture. And that's the key. If you don't get in the Scripture, you won't understand it. If you get in the Scripture, God will take the Word and He'll make it known to you. If you allow it. And that's where you come into this stuff. That's where you come into the midst, because God's already done done it. So so here Jesus is on the scene, and and flip over to John 14, and this, this just come off like a light to me this morning. I've got down 1 through 26. I don't know if we'll read it all this morning, but you should. He says to them, In verse 1, ye believe in God. Believe. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Me. In other words, as you have believed in God, you believe in Me. I have the Word of God, is what He's saying. I'm the Word of God that was sent. For you to hear. You believe in God. You believe in Me. See, see, and again, if you study your, your your Bible, what were the Jews always doing to Jesus? They were taking the law, the Word of God, and they would come up to Him and say, well, the law says this, what do you say? So He says, if you believe in God, believe in Me. I'm the Word of God. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And where I go, whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we who we know not where you go. And how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I? Been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not? Read, Read this real close. Believest thou not that I am in the Father? When he said that, he was standing with them, or sitting, however he was, but he was with them in the earth, and he said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. See, here here are concepts. Here, I want a kid, and I'm trying not to. Here the concept in a lot of Christians get messed up right here. Because the concept is Jesus is down on the earth and the Father is somewhere way up yonder. He said to them, Believe that I am in my Father and my Father is in me. The words that I speak of you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. See, he says, I'm speaking the words of God. I'm speaking the words that God gave me. Just like the prophet said, that, that Moses said, God's going to raise up a prophet who has the words of God. And Jesus says again, that's Him. He says it's in another place in John 2. That is Him. But the Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. So he says, the works that's being done is God in me. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father, and in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, he shall do also and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now, skip on down here. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but you see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day you will know, I am in my Father, ye in me, and I in you. Now, I want you to notice something. Go back to verse 10. In verse 10, he says, Believe thou, Believest thou me that I am in my Father? And, what? My Father's in me. Now, go to verse, back to verse 20. What just happened in verse 20? When the Holy Ghost comes, when the Comforter comes, you're going to know Where are you going to I am in my Father. He said in verse 10 He was in His Father. But something just changed. I am in my Father. Ye are in me. And I am in you. He never told him that in verse 10. But He said, when the Comforter comes who is with you and shall be In you, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. And at that day, you're going to know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Now, going back all the way back down to verse 3. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, verse 10, He says where He he is, I am in My Father. Where I am, there you will be also. (laughs) At that day you will know, I am in My Father. You are in Me. I am in you. In, on down in, in here he says, My Father and I, verse 21, in the next verse, He that have my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that love of me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, am not a scared Lord. How is it you are going to manifest yourself unto us and not to the world? He said, I go away in the world see me no more. But He said, I'm going to be seen by you, manifest to you. Jesus answered and said, If a man love Me, he will keep My words, and My Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode in him. In My Father's house are many mansions, or abodes. Same Greek word here. It's the exact same word if you look up the Strong's words. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. It actually means dwelling places. I will come and receive you to Myself. Now Paul says, now you are what? The body of Christ. Huh? You are the dwelling place of the Most High God. What Jesus was talking about was bringing a people to Himself. And He says, you believe in God, believe in Me. Well, how in the world do I understand that? You've got to come out to Him. If you don't come out to Him, you won't understand it. There's no other way. And he makes that plain, "I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, no man understandeth it. No man hath the understanding of the light, the knowledge, but by me. You come through me. You won't get in this relationship any other way. It won't happen. There's no short change. There's no easy way. Just give me a few more words, minutes, because I told you I was going to answer a question. What question did I tell you I was going to answer? Huh? Why don't, Why don't we? Let's see which one I you want to use. May have to use two and forgive me for being long, but God bless you. Acts, or actually John 8. It's actually in John 14, 23 where we were at, but John 8, I'm going to reference while you're turning there, John 14, 23. He says, if you love me, he will keep my words. He'll keep them. If you love me, you're going to keep my words. Remember? Man shall not live by what? Bread alone? But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Jesus said, if you really love me, you can talk about loving God all you want, but if you love me, you're going to keep my words. All right? John 8, 31. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, Then are you my disciples indeed? And what's going to happen if you continue in his word? You're going to know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's the answer. What was the question I asked you? Look, as you remembered it. Why don't we? If you continue in My Word, those that love Me will keep My Word. If you continue in My Word, then you're My disciples. And you'll know. Because He told us in John 8.14, I'm going to manifest Myself to you. What's manifest mean? Show Myself. Make Myself known. reveal. I'm going to manifest myself to you, but not to the world. What separates you from the world? His Word. What did you do that the world didn't? Believed His Word. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his innermost being, his bellies, shall flow rivers of living water. Glory to God. So if I get into His Word, then He's going to show me. And I'll be a disciple indeed, and He'll make me free. And they tell Him what? They tell Him right away, we're not in bondage. Read that story. Ha, we're Abraham's seed, Jesus. Don't you know who we are? We're the seed of Abraham. We're not in bondage. And he says, he that committeth sin is the servant of sin. But whom the Son hath made free is free indeed. And if you don't come to the Son, you don't get free. You can't get right with God through the law anymore. You can't do the laws of Moses and get right with God. See, I can remember back when I was in college. I had known the Lord as a young man. And let's say I was living in some heathenistic ways. Just be straight. Okay? And I had a situation before me. I started reading the Bible. And I said, well, I'm going to do all these commandments. But I ain't going to give my heart to Jesus. See, I'm going to live good. But I ain't going to. I don't want to surrender to Him. I'm going to find my own righteousness. I'm going to live good with God, live good with men. Not why. There's a greater requirement than the law of Moses. His words. And see, when I come in and start seeking His words, His life will be manifest to me. Because the Law of Moses couldn't save them. Now the Law of Moses was the Word of God. Don't get me wrong. It was holy, just, and good. There's preachers out here saying, that wasn't God's Word anyway, and I'd love to sit down with them and say, you do err. And I would tell them, you are in serious error. God spoke to Moses, and He spoke to Moses in regards to what He was going to do in Christ. And when you take anything away from Christ, brother, you're an heir. He is the living Word of God. You may not understand what God did in Moses. You may not understand the depths that happened back there. And that's what a lot of people in the grace movement say. If God is such a loving God, then why did he kill all those people? I, I had a young man ask me that years ago. He said to me, "If God's loving God, why did he kill all those people?" I, and I answered him after a sales call. He, he didn't want to answer. He wanted to stoop me. And I looked at him and I said, "Well, Alex, when we get out of the sales call, I'm going to give you the answer." Now that when we got out of the sales call, he didn't bring it back up, but I did. I probably thought about it the whole time because, young man, I'm going to tell you what God showed me. God was bringing everything to death but His seed. And He was bringing forth a holy seed that Israel was the type of His holy seed. A type. Notice what I said, a type. Not the substance, a type, an example, a, a representative figure. But Christ is not a representative figure. See, He's not a representative figure of the seed of God or of God. He is the seed of God. He is God. See, He's not the representative figure anymore. You're not born of the representative figure, the natural Israel. You're born of the seed of God Himself. Glory to God. And the cross cuts off the old man so the cross doesn't go away. The death doesn't go away because you come into to Christ. In fact, His death becomes so glorious because there's where you become free from sin. And if you don't understand the cross, I don't know how much freedom... you know. I know all of it's in you because Christ is in you, but I don't know how much of it you're going to experience. Because the cross is the key to experience. well, how big of a deal was this to the apostles? I'm about done. I'm 50 minutes. I've gotten better. I used to run usually an hour and 10. I'm about done. Plus the extra fifteen is an hour and 25 that I usually talk before I got into the message. So, so Acts 2.44 says, selling their possessions and goods, and it's on your paper. They shared with one another who was in need. With one accord, they continued to meet daily in the temple. Courts. And to break bread from house to house. How how often were they meeting? How often were they in the Word? What's wrong with the church? If you said... If you said something's wrong with it. The church is His body, the fullness of Him. What's the need? Let me me change what I said. What's the need in the church? To break bread daily. Do you eat your food once a week? I'm being silly. You can look at me and know I don't eat my food once a week. You don't even have to guess about that. I'm ready to eat before... When I get here, I've ate before I've got here usually, and I'm ready to eat as soon as I leave. So you don't have to guess. So if I'm eating my natural food multiple times a day, but the real substance of living is the Word of God. The real substance of living is not my natural food. It's the Word of God, right? But I'm only eating it once a week. I'm not getting in here and searching it. I'm not continuing in His Word. That's what He said. Those that continue in My Word, those that keep My Word, love Me. There, folks, is where we miss it, is keeping His Word. I'm not trying to put no law or burden upon you. I'm done this morning. I'm going to talk to you a couple more.